Welcome back to the Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Nikki Vargas. Originally from Colombia and now based in New York, Nikki is founding editor of Unearth Women and senior editor at Fodor's Travel, as well as author of Wondrous, a women's travel resource that combines the expertise, wisdom, and stories of leading women in the travel space. In this episode, we talk about Wondrous and why it's an essential piece of the travel kit, Nikki's writing work, and how you can pitch your stories to her. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. So Nikki, welcome to the Remote Life. How are you? I am so good. Thank you so much for having me on. So Nikki, to begin with, connect the dots for us. What is your remote life story and do you have a mission? Yeah, so it's funny. I In the start of my career, like I most people, I worked typical nine to five in an office, uh, but I had this dream of being a travel writer and journalist. And it started sort of as a side passion that I would kind of indulge in in my spare time, in between meetings, whenever I had vacation time. And eventually I managed to flip my career so that instead of that passion living on the sidelines of my life, it became my career. And uh, over the course of, you know, many years, I'm now in my mid-30s, I managed to make it so that I do work remotely. I have the flexibility to really work remotely anywhere. Uh, Right now I work remotely from New York, which is home base, but I really just love the freedom that if I wanted to go and spend a week at Bogota and I could work from there, or for example, I'm going to Curacao in a few weeks and I'll be working from Curacao. So really it boils down to the mission was and is the freedom to pursue my passion on my terms. And I, it's taken a long, long time to get to this point where I feel I'm able to do that and able to work and have freedom without reporting to an office or being confined to a sort of nine to five schedule. Epic. That sounds so good. And Bogota definitely comes up in the book a couple of times as well, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, yes, I, I can't help but be a little biased when it comes to Colombia and Bogota. I'm originally from Bogota, so I am Colombian. And it makes its way into many a conversation. Yeah, I can imagine. I feel like there's always some kind of topic that we're like, oh, I can't help myself. It just slips in there a lot. I do that with my year abroad. It's been a decade and yeah, I still am talking about it because it's like, it's a, exactly. it's a big part of like my journey and while I'm where I'm here. So yeah, I, I completely empathize with that. But you know what, why don't we then like segue very well into the Wondrous book, which yeah, I'm so excited about. And I was reading it thinking, oh my God, like this book is literally everything that I've ever thought as a solo female traveler in one book. Like you really picked up on a lot of things that I was kind of, you and your collaborators, I never thought to vocalize. So yeah, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you so much. I love to hear that. I love to hear that people pick up this book and it surprises them and they find, even seasoned travelers will find stuff in Wanderers that they're like, oh, I never thought about that. And even I was working on this book, it's like you said, it's a collaborative effort. There's many many, many women that contributed to this book and lent it their expertise. And throughout the process of editing this book and working with our publisher, I was constantly learning new things. And I consider myself a travel expert. It's my career. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that your local consulate could do that for you, or this is the most efficient way to pack. And so even if you are a bona fide travel expert and you've got it down pat, there's so much in Wanderous that it is truly an exhaustive resource. 
And for those who are unfamiliar with it, really it's a women's travel book that is very nuanced. And the reason I like to say that is because more often than not, I think travel content tends to be a one size fits all approach. You know, you see these sort of general packing lists, generalized destination roundups. And I think that there's a big missed opportunity there because at the end of the day, the way a new mom travels differs from the way a 20-something backpacker travels, differs from the way a woman of color might travel or someone in a, you know going through menopause or someone with their husband. It's The needs of travelers are very nuanced. And I think the more specific you can get, the better the travel content. And so Wanderous really aims to do that. And that's why there are so many contributors in the book because the very first step of making Wanderous a reality was realizing that I am not an expert of everybody's travel experience. I have one experience and that I can bring to the table, but I needed these women to step in and bring in their expertise where it comes to things that I don't know firsthand. And that's what I really love about Wanderous is just how nuanced it gets and how detailed it gets and how you could be a 20-something kid who's solo traveling for the first time, or you could be a new mom who's trying to find a vacation to go with your kiddos, or you could be a senior traveler going through menopause, and you're going to find things in Wanderous that speak to you. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, like, when I was reading it, it reminded me of when I was, you know, 20 and on the road and thinking about, like, even down to small things like my own personal safety, like just things that we have to think about slightly different. And it's so refreshing to have a book that actually reflects that and what we've been thinking all along. It's so easy to kind of think like, oh, I surely shouldn't have to think this way or like, you know, consider this this sort of thing when I'm going away. But like, obviously, yeah, whether you're a woman, person of colour, if you're different sexualities, yeah, you really do have to think about these things. And so it's so helpful to like have this resource where like, yeah, even you know, out to allies can also read it as well. That's one thing I try to push is that it's not just for the people that it's written about, it's for other people to understand the experience too. Exactly, exactly. And I ultimately, this is my hope for Wanderers as it sort of goes out into the world, is that I really hope that everybody finds a, that they find something in there that speaks to them. And that is really why Wanderers has such a sort of diverse pool of contributors, voices and wisdom and experience that come from these women of all backgrounds and ages. It's so important that it was a fabric of diversity because that is what travel is. The travel industry is not just the white adventure traveler dude. It's travelers of all ages and all sizes and all identities. And so it was really important that Wanderers try to speak to that and that's why it really goes you know if you look at the title it's sort of like the modern travel like you know it speaks to sort of modern travelers that's what we mean by it absolutely yeah I think that's such a big conversation happening I mean it was a conversation anyway it has been for years but I feel like it's really coming to the forefront a lot more now that you know this is a very big space and it's you know but the image is not just one type of traveler anymore absolutely um so yeah i think this is really exciting to see this resource adding to the conversation as well 
I also love also that you add so many kind of fun little hidden elements. Like, I don't know if you ever read those magazines when you were a kid, but like that had the quizzes and things like that in it. So obviously, like you've got quizzes in your book, and I felt like that kid reading those magazines, like, oh, I'm type B or type whatever it is. Like, <laughs> I had so much yeah. fun. It was yeah. I love that you picked up on that. So I have to give major props to our publisher, um, Clarkson and Potter. You know, they're an imprint, part of Penguin Random House, but their imprint really does. It's sort of funny. They do mostly cookbooks. So it's sort of like when they wanted to do Wanderers, I was like, are you sure? (laughs) Because like they do all cookbooks. So I was like, okay, this is a little left field. But Clarkson and Potter also does a lot of gift items. And so right off the bat, they're like, they had a vision for this book and they really wanted it to be interactive. And so it was entirely their idea that Wanderous would be, you know, would have interactive quizzes and checklists and, and this whole section in the back that you are supposed to write in. And the idea mm-hmm. is that Wanderous is, it's supposed to be like your travel companion. It's supposed mm-hmm. to get dirty. It's supposed to have dog-eared pages and sand stuck in the, you know, the binding. It's supposed to be kind of this book that you carry around with you. So, yeah, I'm so glad you picked up on it because it definitely is, uh, it's meant to be an interactive read. I think, because I just think about, I mean, obviously I, I got the ebook version of it, but if I think back to when I was a kid and, like, you know, my mom would pack an activity book for me in, like, my suitcase when we went away, and, yeah, you're, that's exactly it. It would then end up with sand in it it would end up with wrappers in it from things like you know that you're as a kid you're like this is my treasure I think one thing that was would be so exciting to see more of is that is actually indulging in adults fun side anyway like it's it goes beyond kind of being like oh sensible adults like travel is fun and travel is for everybody so I think that's what I love about it is that it, it then adds back to that element of fun for an adult as well I love that I love that you noticed that and you pointed it out <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell I was that I was that kid growing up so see you meant you bring up ethical travel giving back to the community and creating a more of an impact when you go away now in the wondrous book and it's definitely something that's come up in these conferences I've been in the last couple of weeks it's been a conversation for a while but I feel like there's more like people were much more interested in actually taking action versus just talking about these type, kind of things and kind of going oh well like it's a thing but we we don't know what to do and I think especially with the rise of obviously like remote working there are more digital nomads in the world and people who are looking for a more long-term travel kind of lifestyle people are and even like you mentioned I think actually I was at Women in Travel last week and people were saying we're looking for more than to just travel we want to actually create impact we want to actually do something to move the world into a much more positive place what would your kind of tips or advice for digital nomads and long-term travelers be? Yeah, I mean, it's such a great question because I think you're right. There's a lot of quick service out there in the mm-hmm. industry of like, we want to be more ethical, we want to be responsible, we want to be sustainable. But then it's sort of like, okay, exactly to your point, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that with Unearthed Women, which is, you know, this, you know, the magazine and, and media publication that I have, and also Wanderous. You know, I think one of the fundamental beliefs is that travelers are uniquely positioned to make an impact on any destination they visit. Mm. And the way that they make an impact really is through how they choose to travel, but also more importantly, how they choose to spend their money when traveling. Mm. And so I think the first thing is really 
obviously it goes without saying looking for locally owned businesses. I think, you know, with Unearthed Women, what we do is we curate all of these feminist city guides which spotlight women-owned and BIPOC-owned businesses in cities around the world. And the goal of that is really to show travelers how to spend their money alternatively. That really goes back into fueling that local economy and, importantly, fueling women and BIPOC communities in that economy. So I think that's the first step, is sort of recognizing the power that each of us has as travelers to really impact the destination through how we spend our money. The second thing, I think, is just being cognizant of how we spend our time in these destinations and also how we how we speak about these destinations. And what I mean about that is that every single one of us, whether you have 100,000 followers or 100, we have influence over our local communities, our, our local networks, whether it's family, friends. So how we choose to speak about a destination really can either do a lot of good or do a lot of damage. And so I think travelers need to sort of, when they want to be ethical or responsible or sustainable and sort of all these buzzwords, I think it starts with recognizing the responsibility that they have and the power that they have as travelers to not only not only shape the narrative of a destination and how it's perceived by people who are keen to visit it, but also how they act and spend their money when they're there. I love that, actually. That's such a good point, that like your dollars like are worth like something. It's, it's so true. And I was just thinking again, like how like different destinations even, like, you know, if you think about places like Croatia that are only open half the year, and a big thing that um, you know, people have there is that to support long year round businesses when the economy is low or, you know, supporting, you know, um, businesses that are owned by um, like people of colour or by women or, you know, people, just not the majority chain kind of stores and just supporting the local economy, like that's so huge for sure. Yeah, and I think also, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think to add to that too is that there is no shortage of resources right now available to travellers on how to do this and how to connect in meaningful ways. So, you know, Wanderers in the back of the book, there's there's pages and pages of resources Mm -hmm. of women-led organizations, nonprofits that really do the work and that you can support as a traveler. Outside of that, there's organizations like Impact Travel Alliance, which really, you know, they've worked with the United Nations in the past to really focus on sustainable travel. And and these organizations are, they're leading the way. So I think it's, you know, when travelers are like, how do I travel responsibly or how do I do this? It's like, well, you just got to do the work. Just It's it's pretty much laid out for you. You know, it's sort of like you just just look around. (laughs) That is one thing I say to people also is that Google is free. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. For sure, it's not all about not using the straws. Like, there is a lot more you're able to do from it. And just out of curiosity, so a couple of weeks ago, I was in Dubrovnik, and they were saying how they are looking to attract kind of more long-term travellers because of, like, the deeper interest in their destination, because the places like Dubrovnik have had a, a problem with over with over-tourism, so obviously, you know, crowds in the old towns and just kind of having that short-term economy, whereas, obviously, long-term travellers, as we've already talked about, are looking for something a little bit deeper and to kind of actually connect more with the culture for a bit longer of a time. And I was just wondering, like, kind of what your advice for maybe tourism and tourism boards and companies listening it could be about 
also trying to be that face of sort of longer term but impactful tourism as well. I think it's sort of whether you're a long-term digital nomad or a short-term digital nomad, I think, you know, sort of hearkening back to my previous answer, I think that really what the choices you make on the ground are really the most important. And I think that tourism boards and companies, at least what I'm seeing as sort of a travel editor in the space, is that they're really growing savvy to the needs of digital nomads, the needs mm-hmm. of travelers, and especially this rallying cry for more ethical, sustainable travel. And I'm sort of seeing it in tourism boards and also companies. So for example, like Airbnb, you know, Airbnb, like even what they've done with Airbnb experiences and sort of how they not only adapted it during Mm -hmm. the pandemic to sort of, you know, digital experiences, but also just the platform itself, like Airbnb experiences puts money in the pockets of locals. And it generates revenue for locals in these destinations around the world. And for travelers, it offers truly authentic ways to connect with locals and a local culture through the lens of locals. So Mm -hmm. I am sort of seeing this kind of renaissance of travel as we come out of the pandemic, of tourism boards and companies alike that are not only looking for ways to tap into this desire for more authentic travel, but they're also looking for ways to sort of help travelers, whether they're short-term, long-term vacationers or digital nomads, give them a way to also have a more meaningful experience while they're there. And I think, you know, companies, like I said, Airbnb, or even like smaller women-owned tour companies like Purposeful Nomad, there really is this emphasis on like showing people how to make the most of their time in a destination in a way that feels authentic and impactful and I love that (laughs) that's all I can say is I think that's fabulous yeah no absolutely it's so refreshing to like hear it as a conversation and hear that people are actually actively trying to move towards it and again like we talked about before like it's not just a kind of well this would be nice like there's actual work being done to move like that conversation forward now I'm going to change the gears a little bit so tell us a little bit more about your companies and your your work and like, what do we need to know about them? So I'm an editor at Folks. So I, I wear a few different hats. Mm. <laughs> Let me say, there's a, there's a bit of a balancing act going on. So on one hat, I am the founding editor of Unearth Woman. Unearth Woman is a women's travel publication I founded in 2018. It began as a print magazine that was sold in over 800 Barnes & Noble locations across the country and bookstores around the world. And as is unfortunately the fate of many print magazines, eventually became a digital-only publication. And it lives today as a digital platform that focuses on telling women's stories in the travel space, on spotlighting you know, travel trends as it pertains to women, and on producing those feminist city guides I spoke about earlier, which are all about showing travelers how to support women-owned businesses. So that's on Earth Women. The next hat is, you know, the author. So I have Wanderous. I'm currently working on my second book, um, which is, yeah, that's a real labor of love. I'm in the throes of writing it. (laughs) So it's it's going. And then the last hat is Floaters Travel. So Floaters Travel, obviously, you know, this is an iconic brand that's been around since for over 80 years. They have their guidebooks, but they also have their digital site. 
and I'm an editor there. Uh, so my work with Voters Travel is I work exclusively on the digital VotersTravel.com uh, or Voters.com, and I work exclusively on commissioning digital stories, editing, writing to the site, reporting, all that jazz. And so those are sort of the three things. But I think what I want people to know is that uh, you can pitch me. So you can pitch voters, you yeah. can pitch on Earth Women. If you're an aspiring freelance you know, writer or travel writer, especially with voters, we are always eager to work with new writers. And what I love about voters that I... I've done freelance writing for a few years as well. I don't hit I don't hit it as hard as I used to, but what I love about voters is that they really give new writers a shot and they also will also send new writers on press trips, which I think is very cool. because uh, that barrier to entry as a new writer is really, really hard. And I remember it took me years to get to the point that I got my first press trip and it took me years to break into some of these legacy publications. So People are welcome to pitch photos or unearthed women. Yeah, so you uh, read my mind perfectly. So I was just going to ask, like, what is your kind of top tip for pitching to you? So I think that people, when it comes to pitching travel, what I notice, and, you know, we go through pitch, you know, uniquely so, photos goes to pitches every week, twice a week, mm. every single pitch, one by one. We read them together. We discuss them together. So every single pitch is being seen, which I think is important to know because, you know, sometimes editors don't get back to freelance writers. And, and I, I know that's frustrating. I for sure have been on the side of freelance writer not hearing back from an editor. So it feels like your, you know, your time and your effort is not being acknowledged. No matter what, you will get a response from voters. The one thing I'll say is what we look for is I think it's really important when pitching to remember why you're the one to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, we get pitches where they're very generic. It's sort of like 10 things to do in Cabo San Lucas or, you know, like 10 reasons to visit like Sao Paulo. And there's no personal connection to mm -hmm. it. And it's sort of like, you know, why are you the one to tell the story as opposed to anybody else who pitches this story? And I think that's my biggest advice to freelance writers trying to land a story is establish the connection there. Establish why you are the person to tell that particular story. And it could be as simple as you're a local, you know, you've lived there or you're an expat, you've spent time there and you feel like you're a voice of authority when it comes to that destination. Or perhaps there's a personal story there. You know, so I think that is what I would really tell people to consider when they're pitching is establish that personal connection. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. And so speaking of why, that why, what is your why for travel, for your travel? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think quite simply perspective. You know, it's funny because the, the second book I'm writing now is very different from Wanderous. It's, it's just me, mm. which makes it terrifying. Uh, <laughs> But it's also personal. So it's a personal travel memoir. And in writing it, I kind of realized that every time I've traveled in my life, it has been in search of perspective, whether it's perspective on my career, perspective on relationships, for general perspective on my life, or just more of a global perspective and understanding. So that's really kind of a common thread. And every time I step out of my comfort zone and put myself in a new place, whether 
it's two hours away or a continent away, I find that I'm a better person because of it, because I've gained a new perspective. So simply put, my why for traveling really is perspective. So where is your favorite place or destination to set up your laptop? I mean, right now, New York, which it's funny because I was going to say like that might not be exciting, but you know how it is. It's like to anybody who doesn't live in New York, that's immensely exciting. But for me, it's home. So it's like, well, New York. But we just moved to a new place in New York, which it's like if you step outside our apartment, you're right on the waterfront with a view of the Manhattan skyline. And it's like, it's glorious. (laughs) So right now, like, like, I love how you're like, oh, just New York. And there you are, like, describing. Just New York. I imagine it's like, yeah, right? It's like, I imagine it's how people feel when they live in Paris and they have, like, a they see the Eiffel Tower every day. And they're just like, eh. Eiffel Tower, and I would be like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, So we literally moved, like, less than a month ago, and our apartment, which is in Long Island City, it's right in front of this beautiful park called Gantry State Park, which is, if anyone's visiting New York, this is the place to go to for stellar skyline views. But you just step right outside our apartment, and there's the Manhattan skyline with the Empire State Building and the East River and everything. So I'm I'm really loving working here right now and just sort of like taking my laptop and sitting in the park or sitting on our roof or whatever. But when it's not New York, I actually have been flirting with the idea of taking my laptop and going down to Colombia, of course. Mm, (laughs) I'm so biased. (laughs) But I, you know, as I mentioned, I'm working on the second book and I always told myself that if I had the opportunity to write a book like this, I would go somewhere and do it. And so I'm really flirting with the idea of going down to Cartagena, which is honestly one of my favorite places in the world. Mm. Oh, you're making I've not even been. I've come sat here going, oh, I want to go. That sounds so exciting. <laughs> oh, I, was, I, have a, I have an accountability partner and she was just in um, Medellin for a month. So again, she was like, oh, yeah, like pictures and like, videos and things. I was like, oh, girl, like what? This is insane. <laughs> It's stunning. It really is. And Cartagena, I mean, I could I could go on and on and on and extol the virtues of Cartagena for hours. But, you know, if you're looking for a place to work remotely or set up camp, I mean, it's so beautiful. It's compact. So it's very easy to get around. Like if you're staying either in uh, the centro, the old part of the city or in Hetzimani, which is like a five minute walk. It's very easy to just walk around without ever needing public transportation. It's so safe. And I find it's very solo traveling friendly. Mm. And it's just full of these beautiful cafes and and these hotels, which are so, you know, many of them are very, very affordable. And what I love about them is they have these, like, they have, they, most of them have these like beautiful, like little courtyards where you could just set up camp with your laptop by the pool or on the roof and just write. So I cannot recommend Cartagena enough, and I am hoping to go down there myself very soon and uh, and work on a book. Sounds dreamy, Nikki. I'm like sitting here going, oh my gosh, I would love that right <laughs> now. So I'm assuming you're kind of more of a, are you a cafe kind of worker or are you a mix of home and cafe? Oh my gosh, I am totally a mix. Right now I'm like, I'm staring at like my setup. I am at home now. So I have like my kitchen island with like everything on it. But I honestly think I get my best work done in a cafe. Like there's just something Mm -hmm. about being around other people who are 
also on their laptops and also working. And I like the soundtrack of a cafe. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I love the sound of like, just the idle chatter and the people and the coffee being made and, and the smells. And I just love the ambiance of being in a cafe. And there's one right near me for anyone who's visiting New York and wants a good place to work. There's <laughs> one in Long Island City called Sweet Leaf Cafe and Cocktail. And what's so amazing about this is that they have fantastic coffee and pastries and food. And then at like 5 p.m., it turns into a cocktail bar and you could just mm-hmm. like roll right into like dirty martinis and oysters like if you had a good day of work so I'm a I'm a big fan of that one yeah I think people listening were going but where but where Nikki like yeah I think you are um, knew who you were talking to so obviously there are and this is the last couple of questions so just in your book um you mentioned obviously like different places for different types of travelers but where would you recommend personally for a first-time digital nomad or remote worker Okay. I mean, I feel like I can't say Colombia again. I mean, obviously Colombia, but honestly, New York, mm. I think New York is like, if you don't live here and you're looking for a place to work, I think New York is incredible. And I think a lot of people have this assumption that New York is just incredibly too expensive. Mm. And it can be, trust me, it absolutely can be. But like most destinations, if you sort of know where to go and you know how to be like sort of are savvy about it, there's many ways to enjoy New York um, that won't break the bank. And there are so many incredible cafes, especially like in Brooklyn and Queens, that you could just mm-hmm. sort of set up camp with your laptop and more importantly, like hobnob with other creatives. Mm-hmm. There's so many opportunities to meet with other creatives. So I think if you're looking for a place to sort of work and also connect with other creative people, I don't know if it could get better than New York. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. And again, I feel like I've now got two very solid options on my list and I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, I have one last question for you. So fill in the blank. Home is where? I want to say like what the, the what is the quote goes, home is where the heart is. <laughs> no, you're not saying I mean, home is, yeah. Home is where my heart is, which is really, you know, home is where my boyfriend and our dog Chico and our cat is. Wherever they are, that's my home. That's amazing. Nikki, thank you so much for being on The Remote Life. And yeah, everyone should definitely go get a copy of The Wondrous. Thank you so much. And the last thing I'll say, I know I went on and on about Honors <laughs> Women and Voters, and I actually didn't say how. So uh, if anybody's interested in pitching, it's they can send their ideas to pitches at voters.com. Like I said, we review all pitches as a team. It might be a couple weeks, but you will get a response from us. And if you want to pitch Unearthed Women, you can pitch Unearthed Women at unearthedwomen at gmail.com. Um, and on both voters and Unearthed Women, you can find writer guidelines to help guide your pitch. There you go, people. You've got your actions. Now go, go, go. (laughs) There we go. You can become a remote worker too. Freelance writing on the go. Amazing. Nikki, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Nikki, for your awesome insights and for our copy of your book. You can find links to Nikki's work and socials below. Don't forget to also grab your copy of Wondrous Now. Tag Nikki at Nikki Vargas and myself, Han, at Han Meets World and tell us why your hometown is worth a visit for remote lifers. Thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.